Guys, I, I just want to tell you a quick story. Uh, Saturday nights are, are typically my night to, to pray mostly and look over the, the message for Sunday morning. Um, and then, uh, and then I get up on Sunday morning early and do the same. And, um, last night, um, and maybe you have a reference for this where, you know, we, we establish our plans, but we're, we're, we're hopefully submitted to the Lord so that if He calls us in a different direction, we're quick to move because we know His ways are better, way better than our ways. And, um, planning's not a bad thing, but, uh, but making sure that our hearts are always submitted to His will. And, and, uh, last night as I began to pray, cause I, I don't know if you're maybe not aware of all the needs that are within our fellowship, but, uh, obviously Miss Jean, uh, having a pacemaker put in and, uh, and I'll get to a lot of other things that uh, that are going on within our church family. Um, just a, a lot of physical needs and a lot of emotional needs. And and when you're praying for these things on a regular basis, you know they just they uh, they get entrenched in your heart. And um, and so I was I was praying about some things. And and obviously the recent events within our within our our country, um, you know, can be burdensome as well. And, and as Marty mentioned earlier, you know, we got to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, we have to set and fix our minds and hearts on things above, not on earthly things. Um, because, uh, we gotta, we gotta be mindful of what God's up to. Um, because if we get mindful of what, what the enemy's doing, it, it can be very discouraging. And so I was praying last night and the Lord, I mean, I'm so grateful to the Lord that he speaks to me. And often he speaks to me in, in the wee hours of the morning, wakes me up and just has some things to say. And I'm, I'm so thankful, you know, speak Lord, your servant's listening. But, um, but last night as I was praying, it was like this emphatic move of the Lord of the spirit, just to say, uh, I, I want my people to pray. I, I mean, that's the response of the church for one another, for circumstances, you know, that we trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. Sometimes our, our response, uh, our prayer time is, is last resort instead of first response. And, and it really kind of depicts where our, where we believe our confidence and trust is in. And, um, and so, um, the Lord began to kind of unfold for me this morning's, uh, scriptures and just what we're going to be about this morning. And, and I want you to know that, um, I'm so thankful because I work with a team of folks that are just quick to jump on board with that, you know, and uh, I love that, you know, and sharing with Marty this morning, I just knew in my heart that, uh, you know, Marty had said that, uh, yeah, this week when I was trying to pray through like the scripture that we were going to, uh, it just, the Lord kept bringing these songs to mind and the songs were everything to do with prayer and, and drawing near to the Lord. And, and so today's service is going to be about praying for one another. Today's service is going to be about what prayer really is and what the body of Christ is really called to. Um, you know, I, I, I remember there was an illustration that I used to use when we talked about prayer, and it was the illustration called the prideful kite. And it's this kite, and obviously it's a, it's a, it's a fantasy illustration of this kite that, uh, that thought he could do it on his own. Uh, a kite that thought he was, he, he didn't need, uh, he, he didn't need to be dependent on anything else or anyone else. He could, he could handle it. And so he looked down, uh, and, and the, and the higher that he would get, the, the more elevated his pride would become and the more independent he thought, man, I could soar to the heavens, but this, this line, this string is holding me back. And so he kept pulling and tugging and pulling and tugging until finally he popped the string. And what do you think happened? He didn't soar. He plummeted, right? And, and I want to make the co- connection that, you know, that prayer is our lifeline, is, is, is the string that holds our lives and allows us to soar. And if, if we neglect to pray 
or recognize the, the importance of prayer, that it's our connection with the Lord that's been made possible through Christ's sacrifice and that we, in the righteousness of Christ, can boldly and confidently enter into the, the throne room of grace. And what does God desire to impart to us? Amazing things, things we know nothing about. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, he says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. How many, how much stuff don't we know? How much uncertainty is out there? Um, you know, it's, it's beyond what we're even willing to acknowledge. And God says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. And so we know that in, as part of any relationship in life, that prayer is, is vital. Um, it's in marriage. I think about with my, my wife and I that, you know, it's, as we talked about at Kyle and Elizabeth's wedding, like ma- marriage from God's perspective is him making two one, just the same way that he's made us one with him in Christ. And, um, and communication has a huge impact on that how we communicate with one another and get, and God, isn't it humbling to know that the God of the universe longs to be an intimate community and communication and relationship with us? Like the cross declares that, that he wants to be, you know, and, and, and you, we, we have to ask the question, you know, like if heaven is all about being in his presence and that's the, that's the pinnacle of our destiny that, and God's made his presence available to us in the here and now. Why, why don't we, and I'm not trying to create guilt. I'm just saying it's such a great opportunity on a moment by moment basis to draw near to the God of the universe and not for not, I mean, can you, you've probably had relationships where people come to you and they just, they have a list or an agenda or they have an action plan that that wants to be unpacked in the, in the context of a conversation, and once that's done, then they're done. Ever been a part of something like that? And that's not what prayer is. I think sometimes the way that we communicate kind of kind of convolutes our prayer life. And prayer, from God's perspective, is just seeking intimacy with the God of the universe, like wanting to seek His face wanting to be in his presence, wanting to, to share our heart and life with him. Um, and, and in the context of those experiences, yes, we share our needs and concerns because we acknowledge that you're the God of the universe and you can do something about this. Our faith confirms when we get on our knees in a humble posture and we say, God, look, I've got, I've got a desperate need. I've, I've got, fear is knocking at my back door. But I want to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I cry out to you because you are my hope, my rock and my refuge, my ever-present help in time of need. You know, where where do we go? Do we go to Google or do we go to our knees? You know, where do we go when we're looking for answers? And God is the, the answer giver. And the challenge for us, as Maureen mentioned, is is that often we come to God with not only our to-do list and our, our wish list and our agenda, but we come to God with a timeline. And when we thoroughly trust the Lord and believe that He is the God of the universe that has it all in the palm of His hands, then we can also trust Him for the timeline as well. And we can say, God, I don't know, but you do. And you have a better perspective on everything than I do. And, and that just being reminded this morning of that reality, that 
doesn't that put, put us in a more humble and a more like dependent posture? And man, you know, what Christ has declared by going to the cross is that, you know, that he's accomplished the ministry of reconciliation. He shared it with us that he wants to reconcile himself, us to him. And he wants to be in intimate unity and community with us. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, we get, you know, I've heard people often say, you know, what's the will of God? Well, the will of God is depicted here in three pieces. It says, rejoice always. Verse 17 says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. And then be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what does it look like to pray continually? To, to walk in prayer, to walk in constant communion with the Lord. What does that look like for us? Because so often we think, well, how do, I, how do I do that while I drive? If I close my eyes, that, that won't be good. But what is the purpose of closing our eyes and bowing our heads and getting on our knees and cl- clasping our hands? All of those are meant to, to express humility and honor and, and to keep us from being distracted and and to, to acknowledge that it's not my hands, but your hands that make the difference. And so, you know, are we, are we walking in a constant conversation with the God of the universe and that this privilege has been provided to us is an incredible thing. You know, as I, I get burdened, um, I'm so grateful to the Lord that he has opened the throne room to us so that we can make petition on behalf of loved ones that are going through cancer and struggle and trial and loss and relational and family conflict. You know, I'm so grateful that we have a place where we can lay this stuff down and not just wishful thinking, hope that they're going to be, it's going to be addressed. But we know that we have come before our Heavenly Father and He said, knock, seek, ask. And He's made promises that if we ask anything in His name, it's a done deal. So, you know, do we come with great assurance? Because is there not great comfort to know that when we ask that our Heavenly Father not only hears us, but that He acts on our behalf because He's promised, not because He's obligated, but because He said so? And does that not give us great confidence where we can rest in our struggles, in our trials, in our conflict, in our pain, in our worse than our pain, in our loved one's pain, in our loss? of husbands and sons where we can have confidence in the promises of God that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you shall also be, that to live as Christ, to die is gain. Like this, 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 this brings great peace and confidence. In light of recent events within our culture, you know, last Sunday, Saul came and, and, and shared some daunting statistics you know, 36 or 63 million babies have, I mean, like that's, that's what we know about. 63 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade. Like that's a holocaust. That's a tragedy. That's something that should cause the church to fall on its knees and beg God's mercy and beg God's provision and, and, and call a voice uh, to our lips to say no. This isn't right. And I want, to be, I want to be a voice of truth, always displaying that truth in love. 
But in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, as the temple was um, was built and and ready for God's spirit to invade, Solomon had prayed, and God's response was, "I've heard your prayer, I've heard your prayer." And this was his response: "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face." And turn from their wicked ways. Man, this is, this is a challenging passage because we know that our, our posture before an awesome God should be humility. And he says, if my people, my people, he's not looking for those that don't have any orientation towards him. He says, if my people who are called by my name, do you know we've been bathed in the name of Christ? We've been given the name above all names so that we now stand in that name who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves. This is not a New Testament concept. This is a biblical concept. We are called to humble ourselves. Christ Jesus, as our forerunner, as our, as our big brother, as our, as our Savior, he humbled himself and became obedient to the cross and even unto death so that we might be saved. But humble ourselves and pray and pray. Like we don't think that that's a powerful response. We don't. It's unfortunate. We don't think that this is a mighty aim. We don't think that, like, we just don't have that perspective. We think that if we do something, we got to do something because that'll, that'll make a difference. We've got to say something. We've got to act. We've got to react. We've got to cut off an ear because we've got to save Jesus. Man, what we have to understand is what did, what did Christ call them to do in the garden before he knew what was coming? He said, keep watching, pray but we don't think that's a mighty act. We don't think that's a powerful endeavor. We don't think that anything gets, gets done in, 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 in supernatural ways when we get on our knees, but the truth is it does because God is mighty and he's commissioned us to that purpose. We don't obligate God by praying. We, we ask and he has given us that privilege. And he says, if you ask according to my, my will, it'll be done to you. And as it says in James chapter 1, 5 through 8, when we ask, we believe. And these things come. If we don't believe, then we're a double-minded man and unstable in all that we do. So we ask with faith. Isn't, isn't prayer a statement of faith as it is? When we get on our knees, we, we're, we're declaring. Hopefully it's not our last resort. It's our first response. It's not our, it's not our oh, I've tried everything else. Maybe this will work. What kind of statement of faith is that? Like, you know, like... God is so worthy of our, of our confidence in Him, our trust in Him. He is, He is, He has proved Himself faithful and we can ask with confidence and we can enter into His presence with boldness. But it says here, it, it says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, acknowledging that there's something bigger and better and more powerful and more capable than me or the things of this world, and pray. And, and, in, and sometimes we think, pray and seek my face, same thing. No, no. We can pray without seeking his face, right? It's, it's pray and, and seek my face. That we're not seeking our, our stuff. We're not seeking, like when we go to, to the Lord in prayer, what are we ultimately seeking? But God's desire, we see this in what God has done for us in Christ. Uh, God's desire is that we would be seeking him, because that's the greatest reward. That's the greatest thing we can ask of God is more of him. 
but that we would seek him. Seek my face and turn from there. The people that are called by his name, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We were talking in the Bible studies and this is just one of many passages. In Isaiah 59, it talks about what causes God's ear. God's not slow in hearing. God's not mute. God's not deaf. But what causes God's ear to be deaf to our prayers is sin. Isaiah 59 says. And do you know that that your sin has been quenched by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary? And because of that, you can enter into... We have peace with God and we have access to His throne room. Guys, to never again be hindered by our sin, we can enter into God's presence. We... And if we confess our sin, like if you say you're without sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. Like the truth is we, we still, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins, but he'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like we don't have any reason not to be in his presence because God has made a way. And we couldn't get there on our own. But he made a way where there was no way. And now we have access to the God of the universe, the maker of all things, the one that created and formed and fashioned and has this glorious objective for our life. And prayer is, man, I've, I've, never, I've never met a person that's mature in the faith that doesn't have this, this rich discipline of prayer because they've acknowledged that, and he's it. He's, he's everything I need and want. Or at least that's the journey. In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, do you know the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them anything? I mean, Jesus taught them a lot. But for them to ask to teach them something, this is the only thing we have recorded in the Scriptures. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In other words, not my kingdom, but your your kingdom come. You come and reside in humanity. Bring, set captives free. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. You are the provider. I can look to you alone to provide my physical and spiritual needs. And forgive us our sins because only... Only your grace and mercy of our, our sin would ever, would ever quench our separation from you, our death sentence. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do you know what it's saying there? It's saying, Father, forgive, forgive my sins as I have forgiven others' sin. I mean, there, there is an expectation on God's part that if we have been forgiven, that we'll forgive. It's clear in Scripture, like because it's it's a it's a it's a it's a mass declaration. If we don't forgive others, we really haven't understood the depth of our depravity and the and the magnitude of God's grace and His forgiveness towards us. Does that make sense? And so, man, I, I know that it's a struggle in life. I I feel it. I'm I'm a human right there with you. I know that forgiveness is a daunting task. In fact, it's impossible. It's not hard apart from God's spirit, apart from the understanding that we're imparted, that we've been forgiven much. I, 
I didn't want to have a knee-jerk reaction to the, the Supreme Court's ruling. So we didn't speak to this last week, but, but we want to have a voice to it today. And so I want to say this, that, um, look, in our streets uh, just recently, there was the Pride Parade. Um, we, don't see, we don't see people celebrating murder or lying or stealing. We don't see people running through the street, hey, murder, stealing, thing. but we see this. And, and it's, it's sad because the truth is we don't get to determine what sin is and what it isn't. We don't get to determine what's right and wrong. God has already decided what those things are. And he says those things cause separation between us and him. But let's never forget that we were in the same boat. And as we recently talked about in Romans you know, the ungodly and the, the unrighteous. God has made it plain to them through creation that man is without excuse because creation itself is evidence of him. And that at some point when we continually reject his guidance and counsel and his revelation, that he will give us over to our sin. And then as we open up in chapter 2, we're challenged that, oh, wait a second, don't be pointing a finger at someone else because once... Before you remember, you were once dead in your your transgressions and sins. Do you remember? And it was that sin that separated you from God. Look, um, I, I think that they've heard enough that it's sin. But have they been loved in that? Because let me let me tell you something. You know what's compelling to me? This is compelling to me that God knows every fault and failure and sin and depravity in my life. He knows everything that I did and the, the horrible things that I thought. He knows all of that and loved me anyway and loved me to the extent that he came and died for me. And what I believe that the world continues to hear from the church is you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Look, that might be true, but it, it's void of the most important message, which is if you, can speak in mon- if you can speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love, you're just a bunch of noise. So hear me in this. I believe that for the most part, and, and some don't, like we know what, what sin is, but do we know that despite my sin, that the church loves me? Do we get that? Because people, please hear me on this. That the church and Christ from God's perspective are one. And what he has expressed to you and me in the gospel and the grace of God by, yes, never condoning our sin, but never stop loving us even though he knows it intimately. Should the church not have the same posture towards the world? And, man, there's been different responses to this. Look, we're desperately in need of God's grace. And God gets to make the decisions on what sin is and what it isn't. And what he says is sin, folks, it's sin. And the devastation of sin in its ultimate expression is it separates us from God. And what, what separation is, is death. Because in the garden he says, when you eat of it, you will surely die. It, it, it divides us from life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need him to live. We don't live apart from him. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. And here's the thing. The world, listen, our culture is in crisis, right? That's an obvious 
That's an obvious statement. That's, duh, Captain Obvious here. Here I am. Here, you know, like, it, it's true. But, but what is God looking to in order to, I mean, what's the, what's the solution? The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, I would be in the same place doing God knows what. And that doesn't put me in a pious posture. That puts me in a humble position that says, God loves you. I'm not condoning this to be. I'm not going to say that this isn't sin. It's sin. But, but I struggle with that too. And I have the mercy of God that I believe in, that I can, I can go to his throne of grace. And won't you go with me? That's the church. That's, that's the heart of Jesus. And shouldn't we as the bride of Christ who is supposed to be the submissive helper? I mean, that's how we're described. We're the, we're the wife in this relationship with the bridegroom, bridegroom of Christ. And we're called to be his helper in submission. And Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be a church that honors you and reaches out to a lost world that's hopeless with the hope of Jesus Christ. Because that's what changed my life. And I believe I'm, 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 I'm fully convinced it'll change theirs. And he says, and lead us not into temptation. Later on, after a parable, Jesus says this, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will, in, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, this is Christ helping us to understand our sinful condition, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And look, God is postured to bless. And the ultimate blessing is himself. And that's what he's given us in Christ. And that it should be our overwhelming desire not to correct, not, but to love deeply, to love deeply and to be given through a relational context the opportunity to say, yeah, yeah, I believe that's sin too. Because it's not about my opinion or perspective, but that's what God's word says and I, I stand in it. But there's, but there's a way out. God has made a way through Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And just understand that he, he lovingly paid our sin debt. And now we can go before the throne of grace. In Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, this is our theme verse as a church. It's why we would consider ourselves an A2 church. And the first part of that text, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which would have been the New Testament, um, and the fellowship, meaning they were devoted to one another intensely, and the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayers. They were devoted to these four pillars of the, of the church. And prayer, as we got away last fall as elders and pastors, um, pastors, elders, elders, pastors, same thing. But we, we got together and we, we prayed and begged the Lord for vision for 2015. Do you know what kept coming back to us? Pray. Be more diligent in prayer. Be more faithful in prayer. Create opportunities in prayer. Miss Judy came and said, I want to do a prayer. <laughs> now, that's what God's up to. I mean, God wants us to be in this intimate fellowship with him and we pray. So what we're going to do this morning is with our time remaining, we're going to pray. 
We're going to pray because here's the thing, guys. If we come Sunday mornings, you know, in, in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So what? Deceiving yourselves. Like we can come here and get all this head knowledge and then we're, we're, we're susceptible to just becoming a Pharisee. But we're, we're called to put to practice what we know to be true. And this morning I want us to practice prayer. I want us to put it into practice. I want us to beg the Lord for our nation. I want us to beg the Lord for our leaders, which we're called to do. I want us to beg the Lord for the government. I want us to beg the Lord for our friends and family. And so I'm going to ask Trevor to get us started. And uh, we're going to pray. And what, it, what this means is this is not Trevor praying, but we pray. We pray together. And if you want to pray while Trevor's praying, great. You know, if we sing together and everybody sings, why not pray together and everybody prays? You know, like, but, but let's pray. Let's, let's at least, let's align our hearts with those that are praying and be in one accord and, and, and with fervency with where two or three are gathered. There, there he is. He's right here hearing our hearts. So Trevor's going to pray for us as it relates to our nation, world, government, leadership. We have the opportunity to be still and to know that you're God. I thank you that we can trust in your sovereignty. God, that it means that you're in control. Uh, thank you so much that um, we get a glimpse of that in Revelation, Lord, that while everything seems to be going out of control, we get a pill back and we get a look and see that you're in control and that you're moving all things in history to your purpose, to your end, to your glory. And so, God, while we look at things that go around us, Lord, help us to stop. Help us to be still and help us to remember that you are sovereign, that you are in control. And so, Father, um, we first, we just confess of our sin, Mm. that often we as the church have not prayed as we ought Mm. to, that we have not been broken as we ought to. Lord, that that often the reason that our culture is the way it is because your people have not humbled themselves, because we have not sought your face, because we have not prayed, we have not sought healing for this land. And so, God, we want to stop and we want to be faithful. God, we want to repent. We want to turn and we want to seek your face. We want to pray. God, we pray that, um, or as we think of these things, that you would remove the, the plank in our own eyes. For so often, we're quick to point the finger when I think what you want to do is you want to wake up your church to see the sin that is so prevalent in our own lives. God, for we have made light of so many things, but yet we want to deem certain sin as higher than others. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would ignite, that you would convict us of our own sin, God, that we would truly be salt, that we would truly be light, and that from that, the way that we live would be the conviction that other people see, or that we would speak grace and truth, that we would live it. So, God, I I pray for our government. God, I pray that... um, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would raise up leaders. but more importantly, God, I just want to pray for your churches. God, I pray for the church that, that dwells in America, God, that you wouldn't lend them over, that you wouldn't give them over. Lord, I pray for denominations that um, that go in line with the culture. God, I pray that you would you would raise up and you would revive your people. God, that through that, through your people um, seeking your face and knowing you, that you would begin to change things. I pray for um, just those that lead our government. God, that you would convict them of sin, that you would put people within their lives that 
would love them, that would serve them, that would help them to to see that the emptiness of the hope that happens when we find it in politics, but the hope that can be found in you. Yes. And so, God, I pray that you would surround them. I pray for um, our leaders, um, both in the nation, but also um, those that lead the church. Um, I pray that you would convict them. Um, I pray that they would lead well, that you would clothe them with in humility. I pray for us, God. I pray for each of us, that you would give us wisdom for how to operate, wisdom for how to engage, wisdom about when to speak and when to be silent, and that you would find us to be faithful, God, for your gospel, that we would remember the grace that has been so lavishly poured out upon us, that we would in turn show that. I pray that we would be a safe place for people to come of all stripes and all kinds that struggle with sin, and that we would be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Thank you that you change us, and that um, I just pray that we would be a people of prayer. So let us take what what we've prayed for and what we're praying for today and let this ingrain in us a habit or a character, a lifestyle that cries out for dependence upon you, that cries out that, that when things aren't the way that we want, that we seek you. When things are going well, we praise you. In all of our life, we will glorify you. Amen. I think one of the things we see in the Lord's Prayer is kind of this, this uh, it's often used in the acronym um, ACTS, um, because we see this, you know, it opens up with um, our Father. You know, let's, let's just remember that Jesus, that was, that was so incredibly profound for Jesus to say, to call God his Father, much less to say, our Father. I mean, we miss that because we, we've gotten really familiar with it, but, but like that was a profound statement that God was up to in the person of Christ. But uh, in, in this acronym, it's A stands for adoration. And I hope you have a card out right now, and if you don't, grab one and a, and a pen, because we're going we're gonna to have a prayer list once you walk out of here this morning. And I hope it's not just we're praying here, but that we're taking this prayer to our prayer closets, and we're praying for these different needs uh, that are going to be shared in just a few moments. But, but we, should always, we should always include, I don't know, begin, but we should always include a, a time of worship, a time of adoration where we just praise God for who he is. And then the C in Acts stands for confession. And so I want to, I want to pause at this moment and believe that I'm not the only one that comes to church on Sunday morning and needs to confess sin. That I'm not the only one that uh, is, struggles sometimes um, with, uh, with just laying it down. And so I want to just take a moment right now and a time of prayer and give you an opportunity just to come before God. And rather than being so in tune with the speck in all of our brothers and sisters and co-workers and neighbors' eyes, just for a moment would we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the plank that's in our eye. And that we would, because it says, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and what? And turn from our wicked ways. So I want to give you just a moment, and it's only going to be a few moments, three minutes maybe. And I just, you know, Steve, I'm going to ask you to just start that CD so we have some, some 
meditation music, but but I just want to give you some time right now to just ask the Lord to reveal sin in your life and just to confess it, to experience the liberation that God longs for you, to set you free from the devastation of personal sin. So would you spend some time with the Lord and confess? Confess.